The views expressed in this interview are those of the individuals and do not reflect the official policy or position of the U.S. government, the Department of Defense, the U.S. Navy, or the Naval Postgraduate School. Welcome to the Trident Room, brewer of stout conversation, unfiltered and on tap. On today's episode, Trident Room host Marcus Antonellis sits down with John Hammerer. Why don't, why don't you tell us a little bit about the Meyer Scholar Program? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so one of my one of my favorite topics. And uh, <laughs> so, if if you think about, so let's let's think about the, a couple of things. One is a Meyer Scholar. Who, who is this Meyer guy? Well, uh, lo- lots of uh, naval officers know Admiral Meyer is the father of Aegis, and uh, a, a long, long, great history. Uh, we we talked about Admiral Burke, but. A little bit about Admiral Meyer, but but you know one thing is another thing is not well appreciated just because it's not talked about very often is that we often think of Admiral Meyer as an engineering duty officer, but but once again he would be quick to point out and and very proud to point out that he spent a very very big part of his career as a surface warfare officer. Um, he was assigned to several ships. He had uh, assignments as uh, division officer, department head, executive officer of the destroyer. You know, he went he went pretty far in the surface warfare ship driving business, uh, primarily as um, what we know today as uh, weapons, ordnance, uh, and um, combat systems officer. In, in fact, he was uh, uh, up close uh, and on the deck plates uh, for the. Um, early conversions of World War II all-gun cruisers into guided missile cruisers. Um, and, and he did that so much, and then coupled with his education here at NPS, at MIT, and at the Army's guided missile school, um, the, the Navy figured out very, very quickly that this very, very talented officer uh, would be best employed by helping to advance these very technologically sophisticated new weapon systems. And, and that's when he made the transition from just a, or, or a unrestricted line officer with ordnance as his specialty into engineering duty full-time working on these programs. And, and, and so fast forward, Admiral Meyer was the longest serving program manager of uh, the Aegis program. Um, and, and why do we have these great Aegis ships today? It's because Admiral Meyer and everything he did culturally, professionally. Um, so, so, that's, so understand that about Admiral Meyer. The next thing is how, how the education of naval officers has evolved over the years. I talked earlier about Admiral Burke. In 1920, a Navy board determined that with the new technology of the day, steam turbines, um, steam turbines, uh, communications, radar was not yet there, but electronics was getting bigger and bigger. Um, guns and fire control systems were becoming more and more sophisticated. They found out that the officers did not have an adequate background in the technology to know how and why these systems work so that when they were broken they could be fixed and when they weren't how they could be employed more uh, effectively. And, and so this board said, you know what, um, we have got to get a way to increase the education of officers and their answer was the United States Naval Postgraduate School. Uh, and, and 
with the specific focus on technical education of naval officers. Um, as I said before, a couple of boards determined that they needed more. At one point, they said, you know, at least 17% of the officer corps, the, of the unrestricted line, needed to have technical education. <clears throat> they also said, by the time Arleigh Burke came along, after he had done his first couple of sea tours, um, they said, you know what, uh, uh, anybody who's not gone to submarine school, anybody who's not gone to naval aviation has gone to the naval postgraduate school. And, and the Naval Postgraduate School then became really the primary source of a highly educated officer corps. And if you think about it, that's the officer corps that got us through World War II, the Korean War, and into the Cold War. And that kind of continued when our Admiral Burke understood the importance of education and sent hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of unrestricted line officers to the Naval Postgraduate School to um, study technical things because the Navy was becoming increasingly technical and it wasn't enough just to be a button smasher, right? That wasn't enough. So, so where are we today? Today we're in a little bit different situation in regard to the unrestricted line because it's important to point out the differences between the staff corps, the unrestricted line, and the restricted line. So if you think about restricted line, of course, those are the officers who are in uh, communities such as engineering duty or information warfare. The staff corps and the unrestricted line understand how important it is to have their officers highly educated in their primary professional duties. So if you think about an engineering duty officer here at NPS, you won't find any engineering duty officers in uh, national security affairs. You'll only find them in things like electrical engineering, mechanical engineering, applied physics for combat systems, you know, uh, systems engineering, those kinds of things, because those are their primary professional duties. If you think about the unrestricted line, it's, it's a, a different situation. It's a different, yeah, a different situation. It, it is that um, they rely heavily upon training. And, and as we've just talked about, uh, training is one part, experience is another, and they put heavy emphasis on that. But, but they do not put heavy emphasis on education. And, and I, now I have to put a real emphasis on, on this next part. Education that is directly related to their primary professional duties. So, for instance, right now, typically we have about six unrestricted Warf unrestricted line warfare officers in applied physics for combat systems. Yet, every platform we have today, submarine, aircraft, surface ship, unmanned vessels, has some sort of combat system on it. So, so it seems to me that we could do much, much better for our officers if we had more of them educated in this. Now, uh, I think I said six officers for applied, applied physics for combat systems. I think there's the same number of officers from the unrestricted line for um, uh, cyber operations and engineering. I think, um, apologies, I don't know what the exact name of the curriculum is, but, but essentially it's cyber operations right, right, right. And, and systems, I think it's called. Okay. So, so, wow, if you think about how much do we talk about cyber? 
how much do we talk about all our vulnerabilities and our capabilities? We right. don't talk much about our capabilities in cyber, and that's appropriate, but, but our vulnerabilities, right? And, and how important information warfare is to naval warfighting. So it seems to me a little curious that, that we don't have many, many, many more unrestricted line officers here at NPS. So you think about this. Uh, uh, please don't quote me on the exact number. So these are roughly right rather than precisely wrong. There are about 25,000 unrestricted line officers in the United States Navy. Uh, there are about 6,000 lieutenants of the unrestricted line in the United States Navy. Um, there are six of those 3,000 officers assigned to applied physics for combat systems. And, and to be very frank about it, the prospects of having more officers come to technical curricula associated with the warfare systems that they are going to acquire and employ. And again, it's the big A acquire, right? So, so some of those officers of the unrestricted line are going to the Pentagon. They're going to be resource officers in the Pentagon and worry about requirements. And some of them are going to go back to the Pentagon and worry about things like planning, programming, budgeting, and execution, the budgets. The budgets for advanced naval warfare systems. It's important for them to really kind of understand it, really important. So, but if none of them are, if we're not going to get more officers here, so, okay, great. What do we do about that? How, how do I pump out more? Well, the answer, if I can't get more coming in, what am I doing with the officers that are here already? Because, I don't know, I think the number of Navy officers here is something like uh, 400 or 600. I'm, I'm not sure what the exact number is, but, but think in terms of order of magnitude, 450 to 600 Navy officers here. What if we could provide a, a little bit of additional uh, uh, education for them that would enable them to better acquire and employ the advanced naval warfare systems that are out there already and more is on the way. So, so that's really the genesis of the Meyer Scholar Program. The Meyer Scholar Program is open to any officer at the Naval Postgraduate School. It doesn't matter what your APC was. It doesn't matter what curriculum you're in. It doesn't matter uh, about your previous experience. We have officers in the Meyer Scholar Program who are uh, Marines. One of our Meyer Scholar uh, Scholars about to graduate is a, a, a former Marine uh, uh, 53 helicopter pilot. Wow. Um, we've got um, an information warfare officer specifically, uh, a METOC officer, oceanographer, uh, who is currently doing uh, her thesis on the space effects on missiles. I mean, I mean like the missiles we use, like SM2s, SM3s, SM6s, because it turns out that uh, depending on the missile and depending on the uh, scenario, those missiles spend a lot of time in space. And you're a space systems operations major. You, you uh, better than most, understand how um, just absolutely uh, difficult the space environment is. A lot, of, a lot of bad stuff up there in space. Oh, yes. lots, of, lots of radiation, lots of particles, lots of all kinds of lot bad of, things. A lot of free space path loss. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, 
hey, um, we're, we do ballistic missile defense. I, I think the number of ships uh, currently at sea uh, exceeds 45 that have BMD capability. It's part of the mission area. Right. It's really important to understand that kind of stuff. And oh, by the way, we have to buy SM-3 missiles, SM-6 missiles. It would be good for somebody in the Pentagon to understand how important it is to do research, development, and testing of the components of an SM-6 missile so that when it gets onto the ship, it doesn't suffer deleterious effects <laughs> due to the space environment, right? So how do you learn that? Well, you get in the MARC program. You can be a national security affairs major. You can be a financial management major. You can, you can be any major, get in the Meyer program, and, and while you're here for a year, 18 months, two years or more, you participate in the Meyer program and you learn all that stuff. You become exceptionally competent and confident in your ability to acquire and employ advanced naval warfare systems. And quite frankly, to, to, you know, because we want to be frank about it, right? We, We've made some bad decisions along the way about the acquisition of naval warfare systems. I, I won't go into those details, but I, because I think everybody knows it, right? And so, so along the way, why is it that we made decisions that we wish we could revisit but can't? And I think part of the reason is because we didn't know the how and the why of acquiring and employing advanced naval warfare systems. I hasten to add, this was nobody's fault, right? The, the officers who were not provided with that education, not their fault. They should have had somebody like Admiral Meyer and Admiral Burke had that told them, hey, you know what? It's a tough world out there. You need to be smart about this. You need to be able to outthink any adversary. You need to be the best educated in the world and so we know you don't want to study hard. We know it's been hard out there at sea, but you need to go to the Naval Postgraduate School because this place is an intellectual crucible if you make it that way. If you work hard here, if you study hard, you will be enabled. You will be, uh, have made an intellectual investment that will give you dividends for the rest of your life. And they kind of thought in those terms then. So, so I think that, um, at least for the near term, it, it, it may be a while before we get more officers here. So the answer is, let's see what we can do with the officers. Because, look, here's, here's frankly the case, right? So my generation and about uh, my generations and, and several generations before and generations after, uh, really were blessed with the opportunity of going to uh, some, some pretty significant training before we ever stepped, ship, stepped foot on a ship as division officers, right? Got seven months of really intensive training at the Surface Warfare Officer Basic Course of the day. So you did four months of really rigorous training. Now, now it wasn't very much fun. Right? So it was death by PowerPoint, eight, literally eight hours a day, and then time in uh, labs, like trainers and stuff like that. 
and underway on uh, YPs. Everybody at the time, well, we had enough money to have YPs. I mean, you got underway on YP, and did navigation, did piloting, all those kinds of things in Narragansett Bay and I think in San Diego when they had that. So, so we had a tremendous advantage. If you think about this, right? So whatever your major was in college, what if you never went to high school, right? I mean, so, so you go to, go to college and you, know, you study something like uh, electrical engineering or you study chemistry or you study history or something like that, but, but you never went to high school. How hard would that be? Now think about this. You're recently commissioned. You come from the Naval Academy or Navy ROTC, OCS, uh, Seaman, any of those kinds of things. And then you don't have seven months of really great training. And now you step on board the ship. And your first day or so, somebody says, hey, I want you to go see the, f I, I want you to do something about fire control, right? I mean, literally, and, and you've heard this, I've heard this, right? You know, what, what's the new ensign? Not, not his or her fault. Think about fire control. Like, like a, what? I'm going to put the fires out? I mean, that's a little bit of an exaggeration, but not much. It, it's kind of like this again. What if you went to college and you had never been to high school? So that's kind of what it's like going to the world's most advanced warship. You, you walk on board an Aegis cruiser or destroyer, or even some of our amphibious ships. The, those are the most advanced warships in the world, but you haven't had any preparation. I mean, it's like kind of like, wow, where do I start? And the problem is, your department had never went to that school either. And neither did, in these days, your commanding officer. Now, please don't, under, don't misunderstand me, right? Our commanding officers, are exceptionally well qualified. All I'm saying is that when you're, a, when you're a division officer and you haven't had this, it becomes really, really difficult. Just as it is when you become a department head and you really kind of don't understand how and why a spy radar works. Because if you think about it, if you haven't had this in basic surface warfare officer training, if you haven't had this in department head school and you've been uh, an engineer, you know, you're in your division officer tours, so you show up and then all of a sudden you're a department head or a tactical action officer and, and you're supposed to employ a spy one radar and you really kind of understand this thing about, you know, low power mode or high power mode. You don't understand things like how, how far is that radar going to be able to detect something away and, and what effect does clutter have on it? Where, where does clutter come from? What effect does it have? When I tune the radar for sensitivity time control, the, the picture gets nice and clear. Why is that? And it's so clear. What happened to the target and why did it? So, so in the Meyer Scholar program, it's, we do, we, we try to improve the understanding, the how and the why of advanced naval warfare systems. How do we do that? We do that um, in several ways. The first is we have a seminar um, series. And so when you're a Meyer Scholar, you go to about seven seminars every quarter. It, we don't do a seminar the first week. We don't do a seminar the two weeks of midterms. We don't do seminars at the, at the end of the quarter when you're taking exams. But, but in the rest of the time, we have a seminar 
And these seminars talk about all kinds of things. Uh, we had a couple of seminars just recently um, in the last quarter about um, tactical data link systems and interoperability. Uh, look, I, I love radar, I love missiles, but the very fact of the matter is today, in the Navy's principal warfighting concept, distributed maritime operations, it's absolutely essential and indispensable to have our forces connected, linked up, interoperable. Well, what we found was that whether in training or whether in education, we don't talk very much about that stuff. About the only guys who really get that and understand it are the guys who are limited duty officers who are joint interface control officers. They really understand it, but, but much past that, there are very, very few, especially unrestricted line officers who understand that. Yet, it's one of the most important things on the ship, right, when it comes to war fighting. So we spent a whole quarter. We did seminars, and then we did another thing which we do, and, and that is online courses. Um, so, so every quarter, Meyer Scholars will generally do an online course. That quarter, it was an online course through Joint Knowledge Online, and it was a course uh, about joint multi-tattle network operations where, where we learned a heck of a lot. I took the course myself. Uh, it was a backbreaker course. It, it, it was kind of tough. Um, uh, it, it was really hard, but I wish I'd known that when I was department head. I, I remember going to my first Link 11 capable ship as a department head, and I was clueless. And, and even as a commanding officer, I didn't know as much as I should have. I wish I'd had that course. And a lot of the other online courses we do here in Meyer, right? So, I mean, we do things like um, uh, uh, Introduction to Ballistic Missile Defense. That was one of them that we did. So we do online courses. They're generally... Um, so we do online courses. Uh, another thing we insist upon is that when you do your thesis, that it be somehow related to um, naval warfare systems. And, and let me tell you, that's a very, very broad spectrum. Smack dab in the middle of that bell curve is, is uh, uh, our theses likes, ones that are going on right now. Again, I, I mentioned uh, Lieutenant Commander Allison Pelosi is doing one on space effects on missiles. Um, Lieutenant Jonathan Shepard, an ops research guy, is doing one on spy six discrimination. He's probably going to be um, the smartest unrestricted line officer when it comes to spy six. Um, we have uh, other officers doing like the, uh, Eric Samoyoa is doing one on uh, cer uh, ceramic coatings on uh, compressor blades on gas turbines. Why is that important? Because at hypersonic speeds, uh, it's really important to know how the interaction of the environment and the blades go. Um, geez, what's, what's another one? Um, <sighs> ah, there's so many, but, but in any case, um, even, well, one of our uh, NSA majors, um, Lieutenant uh, Justin Williamson, uh, did 
his thesis on the strategic uh, implications of the employment of hypersonic missiles uh, to warfare. So NSA major, but he was in that um, naval warfare systems because he talked a lot about Aegis in there. He talked about hypersonic threats. So the thesis uh, isn't, and and the other one is, uh, of course, now all Meyer scholars are required to take the course TS-4000. TS-4000 is called Naval Combat Systems Engineering, but we do it with an operational slant to it. So when we talk about things like the differences between active electronically scanned array radars and passive electronically scanned array radars, we put it in the context of um, being a tactical action officer, a department head who has a spy one radar and, and, and understanding that, you know, why is, why is it that 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 Aegis weapon system and the, particularly the Aegis weapon system, uh, gracefully degrades so well. Well, we understand that now. We we understand that because of we understand how cross field amplifiers work. So your fire controlmen they really understand about cross field amplifiers. But what happens a lot of times we find is that it's difficult for the officer to have the conversation with the technician. And the reason is because the technician understands much more about the equipment than the officer is. It's it, it's not the officer's fault, right? It's just that we have not provided them with that kind of deep how and why. So when you understand about cross-field amplifiers and the fact that in parallel in series, cross-field amplifiers, one can fail, but it won't impede the operation of the others in series. And so why is it that, you know, you can have a couple of these things fail, you might not be able to have the spare part on board, but you can still continue operating because you know how and why the systems work. So TS-4000, and, you know, uh, look, Everybody here has a very difficult load, right? And some of the curricula, there are no spots for electives. Um, there, there aren't any spots for electives. So, so how do you be a Meyer Scholar with a requirement to take TS-4000 and be in good standing? Ah, you can take it as an audit, right? So you can either take it for credit and, and for instance, in space systems, we have guys who have been space systems operations. They've taken it for credit. Uh, uh, other majors have taken it for credit, but, but we have a lot of officers. In fact, we have officers who are not Meyer scholars who have taken this. Uh, we had a couple uh, last time we offered it, and we offer it twice a year. It used to be only once a year, but when we started Meyer scholar program, we said, hey, you know what? Not enough. So we opened it up. Not only do students in total ship systems engineering take it, but Meyer scholars take it, and officers, uh, for instance, we had a couple of had several SWOs uh, in uh, what financial management in um, uh, financial management and NSA take it. Um, they weren't even in the Meyer program. They audited it. They weren't able to participate in the live uh, courses. They uh, took it in um, uh, by looking at the recordings. And, and when you do that, essentially we talk like at the end of the week for a couple of minutes about what was hard or what you don't understand, and, and we're always available to talk about it. So, so 
So how do we overcome this problem of having not enough naval officers who have the requisite technical education to be able to competently and competently acquire and employ advanced naval warfare systems? We have the Mars Scholar Program. And uh, it's the Mars Scholar Program is done ever mindful of what Admiral Arleigh Burke and Admiral Wayne Meyer and all of their contemporaries had for many, many years. So. Uh, that's all I have. Thanks for joining us in the Trident Room. For more information about today's guests and topics, please visit the show notes. The Trident Room has been brought to you by the Naval Postgraduate School Alumni Association and Foundation. For questions, comments, and suggestions, please email us at tridentroompodcasthost at nps.edu and find us online at nps.edu slash tridentroom.